Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Amen. Well, uh, allow me to begin today by stating the obvious uh, that this morning's passage from the Gospel of Mark uh, isn't exactly an upper uh, for the second Sunday of Lent and instead delivers basically a triple whammy. Uh, beginning with Jesus' very first announcement to his followers that uh, he would undergo suffering, that he would be rejected at the hands of the chief priests and the scribes and the elders, otherwise known as the the Sanhedrin or the Supreme Court of ancient Israel, not to mention the uh, forces of the occupying imperial Roman Empire, which I'll get back to in a minute, and that he would also be killed before rising. And then comes uh, the reaction of Peter, who uh, we have come to know as a notorious overreactor, whose faith is obviously inconsistent, whether it was at the Transfiguration, which I talked about a couple of weeks ago, or it's in the Garden of Gethsemane where he commits an act of violence in defense of Jesus after his arrest by the Sanhedrin, or just hours after that when he's back in the courtyard in Jerusalem and he turns around and he denies even knowing Jesus at all. In this moment, Peter reacts to Jesus' uh, very difficult uh, announcement, according to St. Mark, by taking Jesus aside. And you know, when somebody takes you aside, that's usually not a good thing. And Mark says that Peter begins to rebuke Jesus. And that is a very tough word. That means basically sharp disapproval or criticism of another person. In fact, Matthew's uh, version of this story has Peter saying to Jesus, never, this will never happen uh, to you. It's almost like Peter was in some kind of denial about what Jesus had said. And uh, while I will grant you that he was very obviously out of line and uh, second guessing uh, Jesus, and I don't recommend that to any of you, the fact of the matter is that a Messiah who is rejected and suffers and is killed was the polar opposite of the one that Peter and the others and the children of Israel were waiting for. And so it's a pretty good guess that Jesus' statement did in fact send their anxiety through the roof, even though you and I don't think about it too much that way because we know how everything comes out, but they didn't. Uh, The other thing to note is that this whole conversation takes place at Caesarea Philippi. And that is the place where Peter, of all people, stands out from the crowd. And he is the one who makes this great big bold confession that Jesus is the Messiah of Israel. So powerfully that Jesus gives him this new name and calls him Petros of the rock and says that he would build his church on a foundation of faith like that. They are still there when Peter now changes his tune and he argues with Jesus, he disagrees with Jesus, he tells Jesus that he is wrong, which leads Jesus to call him by yet another name, saying to him, get behind me, Satan. It's almost like when somebody in my life that I'm close to uh, commits a, a misjudgment and I say to them, Great play, Shakespeare. Except this one was way, way more 
intense. And uh, in fact, a reasonable translation of the verse would be, get out of my sight. Because you are not thinking about God, you are thinking about yourself, uh, which causes me to say, don't be messing with Jesus. And then comes the third whammy where Jesus gathers this crowd around him and he says to them, anybody who wants to follow me also needs to be in denial. But it's not the kind of denial that we saw in Peter a moment ago. Rather, as he puts it, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, believe me, if his first statement sent their anxiety through the roof, that one would have sent it through the stratosphere. Because for you and me today, the cross is a symbol of our faith. And we display it in our churches and in our homes. I've got dozens in my office. We wear it like jewelry. We sing these beautiful hymns about the wondrous cross. But for those who follow Jesus on the other side of Easter, the mere mention of a cross would have horrified them. Because to them, all they knew about the cross was that it was the device of Roman execution, of capital punishment. It's the way they put criminals to death and kept their conquered territories in line. For them, the cross was about a gruesome, horrifying, degrading, shameful, public, and very Roman way uh, to die. So horrible, the Roman citizens were actually exempt from death by crucifixion. And so for them, the cross was not only about a public, humiliating death, the cross was an instrument to inspire fear in those who were still living and who are highly motivated to avoid anybody and anything that would lead them to a cross. And yet Jesus says, take up your cross. And if that isn't enough, he even presses the point further and he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life, that is, whoever loses their grip on this world will find it and will save it. I don't know about you, but this seems like a, a rather peculiar uh, marketing strategy for a new religion. You know, follow Jesus, sacrifice everything, and it'll get you killed in the end. But that is the message of Mark chapter 8, and it's one that I think a lot of Christians today are also in denial about. Well, maybe you're sitting there thinking to yourself, uh, hey, is there going to be an upper in this sermon anywhere? And the answer is, of course, absolutely. In fact, a number of them, beginning with the fact that you and I get to read this passage today on, the, on this side of Easter. And we get to connect the dots and see that Jesus really was a very different kind of Messiah. That he came to proclaim this message of forgiveness and of grace and of love, the message of the kingdom and freedom from having to earn our relationship with God through uh, endless obedience to countless laws and temple sacrifices. And it was that message of the kingdom that did get him in trouble. It did get him rejected by the national and religious leaders of his day. And it did get him killed for the freedom of the people that he came to save. 
Uh, the other thing that happens here is that when uh, Jesus talks about taking up your cross, uh, he corrects a big misunderstanding that a lot of us have about that term today because uh, when we talk about somebody who has a cross to bear, we often think of somebody who finds themselves in a circumstance or situation that they did not want, they did not ask for, and they just got to somehow plow through it. And so if somebody gets ill or there's a trial or there, there's a hardship, oh, you know, he's got a cross to bear. Well, maybe, but maybe not. Because taking up your cross isn't something that's forced on you. Taking up your cross is something that, according to Jesus in Mark chapter 8, you deliberately do. It's not about whether you have loss or hardship or illness in your life, because everybody's going to have that, you know, in one way or another, sooner or later. It's about what you do with your life, what you do with your pain, your circumstances, even your provision, and whether you stare it in the face and say, I'm going with Jesus on this, and I'm going to use this to glorify Jesus and to follow him. And so denying yourself isn't just about pretending or trying to wish away something that you really didn't want to hear. It's about sacrificing your agenda for God's agenda. Taking up a cross doesn't mean that you're just stuck with your circumstances. It means that you're going to deliberately use them for the glory of God. And so if you uh, give up candy or dessert or social media for Lent, that could be a very good thing if, in fact, it draws you closer to Jesus. But I also think of uh, a guy some of us might remember who was a former member here at St. Andrew years ago uh, when we were starting to raise money for our uh, relocation, the purchase of this property, the building of this house. He lived in a one-bedroom apartment down in Glenmont, didn't own a car, walked to church, took the metro to his work as an engineer. And then his mother died, and he got her inheritance. And he took his inheritance from his mother, and he gave it in support of the mission of Jesus Christ and the forward movement of that mission here at St. Andrew, $300,000. And uh, there's a lot that he could have obviously done with that money. But he decided to live in denial. He said to me, well, I don't really need it. That's what it means to deny yourself, to live in denial. I think of, uh, you know, that other guy that I baptized years ago who was a concert cellist, came from another faith, and he said to me, you know, if I get baptized, my family will be done with me. And while he didn't want that, nevertheless, he went with Jesus. And on the day that I baptized him, the first thing he did was walk across the room, sit down, play his cello in the church for the first time as a Christian. That's what it means to take up a cross. Last summer, Patty and I uh, went down to Charleston, South Carolina for a couple of days. We went by Emmanuel AME Church where eight and a half years ago, a 21-year-old white supremacist walked in and killed nine people during a Bible study, including the church's pastor, in the hopes of setting off a race war in this country. 
At his bail hearing, grief-stricken family members showed up and they expressed their forgiveness, after which they went back and worked for a church where, in their words, hate will not win. I call that living in some kind of denial. I call that picking up a cross. Last week, I saw an interview with uh, Savannah Guthrie, uh, host of the long-running Today Show uh, on the morning news, who just wrote a book about her faith. And she talked about when uh, she lost her father when she was just 16 years old, walking into the house after a night out with friends to find out that he had suddenly died. And how instead of losing her faith, her relationship with God, it became more important than ever. The upper here is that following Jesus turns everything inside out. And some things become more important than what you do or what you have or your agenda or your reactions. When you discover by the grace of God the meaning of life, that comes in giving your life away for the glory of the one who gave his life for us so that this cross would become a wonderful and beautiful thing. And I've seen how this works over and over again. And by the way, Gospel of Mark from which this story comes uh, was written by a man who was not one of the 12 apostles. And yet, that gospel that contains, bears his name, is by all accounts a compilation of the recollections of one who was an apostle. And that one, guess who, was Peter. The Gospel of Mark is fundamentally the recollections of St. Peter. And if that is true, then it has to be true that one of the most shameful stories of his life, when Jesus calls Peter Satan after calling him the rock, is a story that comes with the attestation of Peter. It's one that he wanted to appear in a book that you and I would be reading 2,000 years later, just as a way of demonstrating, illustrating, showing you that we have a God of grace who is willing to work with imperfect people, whose faith is sometimes inconsistent, who second-guess the word of God, who disagree with Jesus' plan for our lives so that they could live this new life by the power of his grace and the good news of his kingdom. So that this man who is so far out of line that Jesus uh, curses at him so that this one who says, I will never leave him, denies even knowing him, this one who gets it wrong more than he ever gets it right, turns out to be one of the giants of the faith. Because when they do get to the other side of Easter, Jesus takes him aside and restores him completely and says to him, you love me? Then feed my sheep. And that is what he did for the rest of his life. And that is one great big upper for the second Sunday of Lent and a reminder that Jesus will meet you with the very same treatment 
in your life as a child of God. And so, with the spirit of Mark chapter 8 in mind, I wish you the grace of God to know that following him is more than worth it as you pick up your cross. Get lost and live in denial for the glory of the one whose suffering, rejection, death, and resurrection creates a brand new world for you and me, now and forever. Amen. I invite you to rise as we confess our faith together.